Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, joined once again by Jordan Climax. Jordan, it is a a Monday night with uh, conflicting emotions. On on one hand, there are certainly uh, sad news as many players from around the league are cut as teams try to get down to their 53-man rosters. But on the other hand, you do get some clarity as to what the your team will look like for the season. And when we're starting to get clarity on what this Browns team will look like this season. Yeah, it's funny too. Like the preseason is already over. I don't know. It's got to be the fastest preseason of all time. Of course, it was only three games. So I guess technically it really was. But yeah, it's just interesting to see, man. Uh, it's, it's really, we're getting down to that. What do they call it? Like, they call it like Dark Tuesday or, or something like that. I don't know, but and, and the thing is, we're gonna lose we're gonna lose some players here, uh, Henry, that are gonna get uh, picked up by other teams. I think they're down to sixty eight as it stands right now, as of like an hour ago. Um, they're now down to sixty seven is the 67. latest. So was there someone cut in like the last ten minutes? There, there has been somebody cut in the last hour. I can't remember off the top of my head uh, which which player was last, okay. but I have the live tracker pulled up. I've been following it all day. So fourteen have been cut today 13 more to go gotcha and and this is like so everything that's came down so far i guess nothing was really surprising i mean i think there was one or two surprising moves maybe in there and then we'll get to those as the podcast goes on henry but tomorrow is kind of when it's going to be those okay you got to make a tough decision is Kadero hodge going to make the roster is he not going to make the roster tomorrow when you know when we get these last 14 cuts in that's going to be the day we're like, damn, man, how did this guy not make the team? And again, it's a good thing because the Browns have so many talented players, but it's a bad thing because like you hate to see a guy get cut and then a guy that you know can contribute. Absolutely. And yeah, there were one or two moves today, even that I was surprised by, as you mentioned, that that we'll get into. And, you know, I think part of this that, you know, part of what's made this so difficult is a lot of the guys in the bubble, like you mentioned, Daryl Hodge, have played really well. Uh, I, I know, uh, you know, I personally didn't get a chance to catch a ton of the game on Sunday night, which is why we aren't going to talk about it a ton here uh, because uh, of some other things I had going on. But I was able to catch the first quarter and a little bit of the second quarter and, and see the Baker Mayfield drives. And, you know, really the most important takeaway from the preseason game is that nobody got, you know, nobody major got seriously hurt. But on top of that, like Kadero Hodge played very well in the preseason and like Malik McDowell has played really well in a lot of these preseason games. So like a lot of these guys on the bubble are performing and that's making the the Browns front office have to make some really difficult choices. Do you think we could sit here and say that Kadarol Hodge, at least from an offensive standpoint, was the Browns best player in preseason? Ooh, I, I mean, I guess if you're factoring in snap count, yes. Um, I mean, I, I, feel like I, every game. I was surprised more by like Demetrius Felton and like his contributions and some of those things. But in terms of, of the actual production on the field, I think, yeah. sure. I, I, I think you could make that case for Hodge. Yeah. And it's not saying a lot. I just think it's interesting to think that like, you know, this guy that, you know, gave him the one year contract at, at the, in, in the off season. And we wondered what that was going to mean for Higgins. It ended up not meaning anything because they brought Higgins back, but then all of a sudden Hodge, performs the way he does like I feel like we walked away from all three of these games like man Hodge made some plays man Hodge made some plays 
And, you know, that was the exact same thing that happened last night on that dime, absolute dime, by the way, uh, from Baker Mayfield to Kadir Al-Hajj. And, yeah, man, he's just whatever, for whatever reason, he's making plays. And, and, and are you going to cut a guy like that? And I don't know. Those are the tough. I'm glad that I'm not the one that has to make these decisions, man, because these are hard decisions to make, harder than they've ever been that I can remember in Berea. I can't remember a, a single, uh, you know, cut down like this where there's just going to be so many guys that you think, man, are they going to come back to the practice squad? Odds are some other teams are going to pick these guys up and, and Hodge would be right there among them. And, you know, I, he lost some competition today. We can start by, I, I think the place to start is just as we're recording this right now, it, it's 830 Eastern, as Jordan mentioned. 14 guys have been cut. So if you're listening to this after the fact and more guys have been cut, uh, you know, we can only do so much about that. But one of Hodge's main competitors, Jojo Natson, Mary Kay Cabot has already reported is gone from the team. So he's at least uh, cut and will not be uh, competing for that spot with Hodge. Uh, you know, obviously there's a couple different positions. Some other notable names that have been cut, Jordan Franks, uh, which, you know, I know you mentioned uh, you had seen at, at practice uh, uh, Marvin Wilson, the coveted undrafted free agent, de-tackled at the Brown side. Curtis Weaver is a big one, Sheldrick Redwine, and then uh, Port Augustine. I would say those were all guys that were legitimately competing to be on this 53-man roster. Of those names, Jordan, did any of them stand out to you as someone that you found surprising that was cut? So I guess just selfishly from a like, hey, you called it standpoint, <laughs> like I was so high on Curtis Weaver, man. We did podcast, Henry, where I was like, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Curtis Weaver is going to have some good snaps for the Browns. And look, I don't know what it is, but he, uh, he's not going to make the roster. Um, look at him more of the edge rush posi position and as well as Porter Gustin, two guys on the edge. I don't know. Do you think that the because when I saw this, I immediately thought like, hmm, if the and it's weird because the situation with Tack McKinley is not like solid, right? Like we, I feel like that can almost is an ongoing thing, but him coming back when he did at the same time, I feel like that almost uh, forced the bronze hand at, at, at getting rid of either, you know, the Porter Gustin or Curtis Weaver ended up being both of them. But I wonder if you thought that same thing, Henry, because I was like, uh -huh, okay, well, Tack McKinley's back. But then I thought at the same time, I was like, well, is he back? I don't really know, but I feel like that's probably how the bronze were looking at it. You got you hit the nail on the head in terms of what surprised me most. I don't. I I'm confused by this. This is the this is the one part I really didn't see coming is to get rid of both of these guys because, yeah. like you said, Tack McKinley. How much can you really count on him? Number one, just you know, from a health perspective, and from a you know coming back you know this close to the season, you know he's got a couple, he's got you know, two weeks to to get there. So I. I guess so. But then on top of that, usually you're keeping four defensive ends, right? They've got three. They've got Clowney, they've got Garrett, and they've got uh, McKinley right now. So unless Joe Jackson is going to be the fourth defensive end from this team, they're bringing in somebody else off the street that we don't know right now. So the Porter Gustin cut in particular, I had him, you know, when I was projecting the 53-man roster, I didn't even think about not putting him as the fourth the end. So I don't know what they're going to do at that spot. I mean, unless they're thinking of really keeping that many D tackles, that many linebackers and secondary players, you know, and really going thin at DN, but I would be absolutely shocked if that's the, the approach to this. So I, I think they're going to have to bring somebody in here, especially 
like you mentioned, because I don't think you can count on Tack McKinley, you know, to necessarily, it's not like you've got three rock solid guys who never get injured. So we're just going to have to see what they do. But I, I, I was very surprised uh, that Gustin didn't make the team. Now, do you see Porter Gustin as, like, I know Justina Anderson tweeted out, um, obviously Porter Gustin is a strong candidate for the practice squad, or even potentially to rejoin Cleveland down the road at some point. I don't know how that would work out from, you know, a contract standpoint and everything along those lines, but it does sound like they're kind of letting him go, but keep, at least going to keep close tabs on him, which again, if that's the case, then why even let him go in the first place? I don't know. This, that, that one, that was the one move, Henry, as you said, that really, I, I'm still trying to figure it out. Like I was trying to reason with the Tack McKinley thing, but then it didn't really make sense to me. And then I was trying to reason with the, Hey, you might bring him back on a practice squad or bring him back on the team at some point. But even that didn't make sense to me. So I don't know. I'm having a hard time figuring this one out. As I always say, though, I always defer to the smarter people than me in situations like this. And Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Berry certainly are smarter than me. Gustin, I, yeah, he could return. But the other 31 teams are going to get a shot at him first. So that's the challenge if you're the Browns. Maybe they, they feel confident that's, that's not going to happen and that he'll be back on the practice squad. But that's the challenge is once you cut a guy, you know, everybody else gets a shot. So you know, that, that could very much come back to bite you if they're counting on that to be their solution at the position. I also don't really know why that would be, you know, th their solution if they've already got him in-house, why they would kind of give that opportunity away unless they're, you know, hoping to create a roster spot just in case. And then if the right person doesn't come available, they can bring him back maybe. But that's that was one piece of very surprising news. And I saw that, that note from Josina Anderson, but it's still, it was a little baffling to me in some respects. And... Another piece of news we're still waiting on, too, is what they're going to do about Jacob Phillips. Because yeah. if you put Jacob Phillips on the IR, now he cannot return this season. That's the, that's the issue with doing that, is that once you do that, he cannot play. However, if you add him to the 53-man roster and then put him on IR, you leave the door open. Problem is, that's a very crowded linebacker room. And if you put him on the 53-man roster, once again, you're cutting somebody that then other teams have a shot at. So I don't know what they're going to do in that situation either. And I think what you just laid out is, I think that's the exact situation that in, in my eyes is, I mean, we'll see what's going to happen with him, but I think that's exactly, it would probably be the smart thing to do with Anthony Schwartz. Right. I like, I feel like that's, what's going to be done with him in terms of add him to your 53 man roster, put him on IR. That way it frees up a roster spot. Eventually. I think that's what's going to happen with him. It was still yet to be seen, but again, to your point, that's still going to mean that someone that probably should have made the roster isn't going to. It, I, I yeah, I don't, I just don't know what the, the obvious solution is there for them. I, yeah, I guess, you know, there's been rumors they could put Tony Fields on IR. They could do like a wink, wink deal with Malcolm Smith where it's like, Hey, we're going to cut you, but we will bring you back. Uh, yeah. There's also, there's been rumors, but none of that is by any means confirmed. So on that front, I, I, I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. That's another one where the, the news will trickle out here over the next 24 hours or so. But Jordan, I think, in it, you know, kind of the, the high level thing that we've seen today so far on the offensive side of the ball, and, the, and this is where I want to kind of kick things off in terms of, of talking about the roster is the Browns are making the choice, it would seem, to prioritize the the skill position players over necessarily what fits the roster perfectly. 
you know, it, it, they're going to, it would seem at this point, keep Dimitri Felton for sure. And by getting rid of Natson, uh, you know, they already have either a roster spot, you know, to, to keep Darius Johnson uh, or potentially Kaderil Hodge or potentially both if they take one less lineman. But they basically, you know, in last year, they carried four tight ends. We know Kevin Stefanski likes to use four tight ends a lot, but they got rid of Franks, the four tight end. They got rid of Natson, the pure special teams guy. And it seems like are prioritizing those skill position guys. They're, it looks like they're going to say Belton and at least one of Dearness Johnson and Kadero High. So what do you think of that overall concept of, of kind of betting on the players and then kind of trying to, you know, make it fit from a roster perspective? It's certainly a new school way of thinking, I think, Henry. And I just think it's it, it goes hand in hand with everything that we've seen from this front office, from Paul DePodesta, Andrew Berry, Kevin Stefanski, kind of that marriage, kind of looking at football and roster building and scouting from a new lens, uh, the new school way of doing things we saw with how Kevin Stefanski handled preseason this year. And then a lot of people would say that's, you know, new school, the way he handled it. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it, I don't know where I come out on that, uh, Henry. It's, it's tough to see. It, it, it's one of those things where I kind of almost have to wait and see how this year plays out to really make that call. But at the same time, look, I mean, the kickoff, the kick return, punt return game, I don't want to say it's dead in the NFL, but it's certainly not what it once was when they moved the kickoff of. I mean, punt, punt, uh, the punt return game is certainly more prevalent than the kick return game, but I, I don't think you're going to keep a guy on your roster just to do that, um, especially when you have a guy that's as versatile as a Demetric Felton is. He's a guy that can play wide receiver, he can play running back. And he can be that guy in the return game. So I think that's how their their thinking was on that. And I agree with that as it stands. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, Henry. It, it's tough to see. I'm, I'm going to have to let things play out and kind of address it further. But I, I agree with at least some of the moves that the Browns are making. It'll be interesting to see how they make it all work. But I'm going to go back to, again, I trust Stefanski and this team to make it work with the players that they're keeping. And like you said, prioritizing kind of skill position over, you know, what they need. I, I'm with you. It makes me a little bit sad. I saw a clip actually of Josh Cribbs yesterday and yeah. some of the highlights from him. And, and the, you know, there was a point and this might've been in the tweet itself that, you know, it was like Phil Dawson and Josh Cribbs were like the Browns best chances of scoring at some, you know, in some seasons, it was just like those two guys were the consistent ones. And it does make me sad that there, the, the need for a special teams specific player is declining and declining over time. But also, as you look at this Browns roster, I, when I kept seeing 53-man projections with JoJo Natson on it, I was like, we cannot keep yeah. him on this roster. There's no. just too, there's too many guys. There are too many guys. Like, what, he, he, once you throw Demetri Felton in there, like, yes, he's versatile, but also, like, he's not traditional, right? Like, he's not your traditional fifth, sixth wide receiver that's going to play special teams. He's not your traditional third running back necessarily. Now, the Browns are blessed with two great, extremely versatile running backs. But what makes Felton so special is the positional versatility. But in the actual positions themselves, it's not like he's a, a running back that runs between the tackles and on the outside. It's not like he's a receiver that's going to you know, be a vertical threat and in the slot and, and all of those things. So he's, a, he's, an inter, he's a, a complicated fit, I think, for the roster, but one that is well worth it given how he played in preseason. Right. Yeah. And I, I just think that, like you said, I, I never understood how it was going to be possible for Jojo Natson to make this roster in general. 
I mean, maybe if he played last year and he showed flashes where it was like, this guy can be really explosive. That would have been one thing. But he got hurt last year, missed the rest of the season. And then you draft the guys like Schwartz and Pell, and it just it didn't seem likely for him. But Henry, I, there's one thing that I did want to talk about real quick. And that was kind of you mentioned that whole Demetric Felton, Kaderil Hodge, Dearness Johnson sort of conundrum, right? And probably two, it's probably only going to be two or three of those guys that do make the team. I think there's one of those guys is going to be the odd man out. I think we can both sit here and say that Demetric Felton is a lock on this roster, right? I think so. I, I think Felton is the lock. Yeah. I think it's one of the other guys. Yeah, exactly. So if that's the case. I've said it all along, Henry. I think that they look at Dearness or um, Dimitri Felton as a guy that's going to line up in the slot. I think they're going to play him in the slot a lot. I think that's where they value him. I think that they are going to keep Dearness Johnson as that third running back. And I do think that Kadero Hodge is likely going to be the odd man out. It, it, it sucks to see, but I just think that's how it's going to play out from, you know, everything that I've been, you know, told and kind of heard and seen throughout training camp is that they value the hell out of Demetric Felton and they love Dearness Johnson. They love Kadero Hodge too. They have more versatility and, and, and Demetric Felton can kind of fill in and be that extra wide receiver that Kadero Hodge would have been. So that's kind of how I see it playing out, Henry. It sucks to, sucks to say this, and we, it might it might suck to see tomorrow, but someone was going to be the odd man out. I just think it's going to be Kadero Hodge. It, I I think so. I mean, you can fit them all. So there is a way to fit them all, right? And, and that's to take nine offensive linemen. It is the most logical uh, way to do it at this point, given the fact that they've already get gotten rid of Franks. You can roster all of these guys, but. That being said, that means either probably Michael Dunn or, or Blake Hance, then you're, you're cutting. And yes, those guys were yeah, practice squad. Yeah, th- yeah, they were practice squad guys last year, but they both played well in the preseason. So unless, you know, I know Michael Dunn, I think has a back injury or something like that. So maybe they do that, but, you know, it, they could try to jam everybody in there, but I, I also don't see it. I, I think yeah, it, the reporting has indicated that Hodge is going to be the guy. I mean, that's just, there hasn't been reports about the other two. So it, that, you know, the, where there's smoke, there's fire in, in some respects. Yeah. It's, it's going to suck to see. Cause like I said, he's been balling out in, uh, in, in preseason, man, but this is kind of how it goes. And Felton's the younger guy. And I mean, think about that too. If, if Felton turns out to be what we expect him to be, Henry, they got him in the sixth round last year. And then the year before that, you got Donovan Peoples Jones in the sixth round. I mean, talk about I – mean, they talk about these drafts that you really win a draft in, these, in those deep rounds. How about if you're able to land both those guys in the sixth round and Felton actually does turn out to be what a lot of people are, are hoping and expecting him to be? I mean, pretty impressive right there. The fact that, that he's looked this good in preseason has been tremendous. I, it, most of the time you think a sixth-round pick might not make the roster. We both said he's a lock. And, exactly. and I don't know how you would say he's not a lock based on what he did in preseason. That's why I thought – you know, you mentioned it. Hodge has been balling, and he might have been the most productive player in preseason. But the person that stood out the most to me was Felton, just because I didn't know he had that, and you know, I didn't know what how it was going to look at the NFL level. But it looks impressive. And at that point, you're you're sitting there and you're saying, "All right, well, that guy, we have to hang on to that skill set because it's unique, something that the Browns don't have on this roster, and something that they can really throw teams off with." So, I think you're right there uh, on that one. Now, to shift to the other side of the ball, Jordan, there's a lot. You know, the, the Browns have just a major roster crunch on the defensive side of the football. And they 
They've already trimmed it down a little bit by, you know, getting rid of Weaver and, and Redwine, but there's a lot more still to go in terms of this roster on the defensive side of the football, and in particular at defensive tackle. I'll start by asking you this. If you were the Browns GM, you've got Togiai, who they drafted. You've got, uh, you know, the guys they've signed, Billings, Elliott, who also they drafted, Malik Jackson. But then you've got competition from guys like McDowell, who shined over the last two preseason games. You've got a guy like Sheldon Day, who's looked pretty good as well. Most teams keep four defensive tackles. The Browns, I think, are going to keep five you at a minimum, you know, behind with, with Jackson, with Billings, and then, you know, Elliott and two others, Togiai and McDowell. Yeah. And that leaves out Day. I mean, what do you how, what do you make of this? You know, you've got the guys that you've drafted versus some of the guys that, frankly, I think have looked better in preseason. How do you balance that out? I would like to say, Henry, that – you know, you, you just, you go off of practice and you go off of the whole body of work and you make a decision based off of that. But at the end of the day, this is a business. People are trying to keep their jobs. People are trying to prove that they're worthy of keeping their jobs. And, and at the end of the day, you're loyal to the guys that you drafted. I, I really do think that's the case. It's the case a lot when you see a new GM come in and, you know, there's that fringe draft pick that, you know, he's shown flashes, but he hasn't really worked out. Can a new guy come in and get him? but he wasn't drafted by the guy that just came in. There's no loyalty there. And I, I kind of just think that's how it plays out, whether it be NFL, MLB, NBA, regardless, I just think there's loyalty to the people that you drafted rather than the people that you brought in or that were there previously and kind of fringe roster players. And, and with that being said, I, I really do think, I don't see a, a way that Togi, I doesn't make this roster. I, I definitely think he's a lock to make this roster as a defensive tackle. The other interesting part, uh, pieces to that, like you said, is Sheldon Day, is he the guy that gets left out? He had a lot of moments in preseason as well, Henry. So it'll be interesting as well. I think Malik McDowell will make the roster. But, yeah, I think the NFL, we know how it is, Henry. There's there's loyalty to your draft picks, and we'll see how it plays out with the Browns making this team. But Togiai, as I said, a draft pick of this front office, so I think he's a lock. I am leaning that way, too. When I was trying to make my 53-man roster, I kept five. Billings, Jackson, Elliott, Togia, and McDowell. But I, and I left out Sheldon Day from that group. Uh, what I will say is if there is a surprise cut tomorrow, one that we don't see coming, I think this is the group it comes from. And I think the two candidates would be Billings or Elliott as, you know, a real surprise cut, guys. I don't necessarily predict that. But, you know, Elliot is a guy I think that's had uh, some struggles throughout this camp. And let's face it, he's just getting pushed from some guys that have looked really good. Malik McDowell has just looked very strong at times. Sheldon Days looked very strong at times. Now, we're obviously not seeing practice every day and all of that. But in these games, those guys have looked really good. And Billings, we've seen way less, but has not looked good. And the challenge there is, you know, he's obviously been paid. The Browns can't get out of the, you know, cutting him doesn't do anything for the Browns from a financial perspective. They're just going to have to eat that, but it is a one-year deal. So it, it doesn't really impact the future either, but he, he could be the guy. You know, if I saw that happen tomorrow, I think most Browns fans would be very surprised, 
But me looking at the roster, I wouldn't be totally taken aback. I think this this that's the one kind of scenario I could see where Browns fans are caught off guard. Just looking at the roster, there's there's a lot of bodies here. So you're saying Billings? That, that would be the most surprising yeah. name, I think, to okay. get cut tomorrow that I could see realistically happening. And it's funny because we talked about it, Henry. I mean, I, what, two straight podcasts when we reviewed preseason. I think in the first one, you kind of brought up Billings as like, hey, I mean, he's out there. Teams are kind of running the ball down our throat, <laughs> and he's going up against third stringers. And then the week after, I was the one saying like, yo, there's still that hole in the middle of the defense, and Billings has been out there. He definitely hasn't performed uh, as we would have hoped. Again, I don't know how much that has to do with him being off last year or anything like that. But, yeah, that would certainly be interesting, Henry. I, I, I'd i say this. I would be – it's one of those things where, like, <laughs> this is such a terrible answer, but, like, I would be surprised, but also I wouldn't be surprised. You know what I mean? I would be surprised by the name, and I feel like that was a guy that would be – you know, when we started doing podcasts uh, in the offseason about who's going to fill in that defensive tackle position, I think you and I were both essentially penciling in Billings as that starter alongside – Malik Jackson so to see him per- underperform throughout training camp and then all of a sudden you got those bodies in that room so many of them yeah Henry I could see it I, I really could we'll see how it plays out tomorrow well and I think it's uh, a, a good exercise to look back sometimes and see how the Browns took an approach to this and they did exactly what I thought they should do following the cut of Sheldon Richardson was they took a lot, they threw a lot of darts at this position with McDowell, with Wilson, with Jordan Elliott, you know, with drafting Togiai, they said, Hey, you know, we, yes, we're cutting Sheldon Richardson, but we're going to replace him with a cheaper contract through one of these guys, not sure who it's going to be, but one of them is going to stand out. And you see that approach and it's worked to some degree. Now you've got these guys that have stood out, but are they going to go as far as that means they can replace a veteran, you know, in Andrew Billings? That's what I uh, am questioning, because then at the end of the day, if it's like they, you know, they kept Billings, but they, you know, they move off Richardson. That's just a downgrade to me with no real upside of like getting somebody on a cheap contract that's going to outperform it. These younger guys provide the upside. I don't know, you know, if, if you had to redo the Sheldon Richardson situation now, what do you think the Browns would do uh, knowing what they know now? I would think that they would have gotten, I would think that they would have found a way to work it out with him. Don't you? I, I mean, everything at this point, Henry, I feel like we've been playing musical chairs, the defensive tackle kind of ever since uh, the Larry Ogunjobi and, and Sheldon Richardson departures. Like I, the whole off season has been a game of musical chairs of this guy here, this guy there. Well, didn't see a lot from that guy. This guy had a good day. Oh, he followed up with a bad day. Like, it's just, it's been one revolving door, basically, at that defensive tackle position. I don't want to see that keep happening, Henry. And I think that the Browns did miss out on an opportunity to kind of solidify that position with Sheldon Richardson. Didn't, weren't able to work it out, Henry, but I think that if they could go back and, and redo it, I, I seriously think they would reconsider. Maybe they would. I, you know, as I said, I think they they've done it the right way. And I saw some Browns fans as well saying maybe they should have reconsidered that. But I think really the the mistake of, of Billings, oh, potential mistake. He still hasn't played a regular season game, so I don't want to go that far yet. But the potential mistake of Billings to me is uh, irrelevant in terms of the approach. Like the approach still would have been 
hey, you know, attack these, you know, the, the position with the draft picks with these, you know, undrafted free agents. And I think they did that well. So it's more so now it's the decision uh, at the end of the line with the roster, but I think they actually executed the strategy the right way. They just have to, frankly, have the kind of the gumption to, you know, make a tough choice here if that's, you know, what's going to be best for the team. And they know that better than I do in terms of if that's actually true. But I feel like, you know, as somebody that's that's watched the snaps, that the best thing for this team is not to have Andrew Billings be the starter. So we'll have to see uh, if the Browns agree and take that so approach. If, if not Andrew Billings, who do you see being that starter alongside Malik Jackson? I don't know because I, you know, normally if if Elliot was performing, I'd say without question Elliot. But Henry, we saw him with the third stringers in like the fourth quarter of that second preseason game, and that was a red flag to me. Maybe I'm I'm buying into the preseason hype too much, but I put Malik McDowell there. Malik really? McDowell to me. Not immensely, no. But I don't think I trust anybody there. I don't think I trust Billings there anymore. So yeah. at that point, I the upside to me has looked uh, good enough that, that I would try to go young there and, and see if it works out. Uh, and I think, I don't think Togi is ready. Maybe Sheldon Day could step in there, but I, I would take a swing. And I know that's risky, but, and I know Malik McDowell's not exactly playing first team players in these preseason games, but I also think he's looked that good that, that I, he's earned a look at that spot. May, I, that's what I would do if I was in their position. The other interesting thing, Henry, kind of just to, not to switch gears too hard, but I, I wanted to mention this before we got out. Were you expecting the Browns to keep three, three quarterbacks on this roster at any point? There were some people out there that they were thinking they were going to. I didn't think I was going to see that at any point. Um, I know that as much as they pay Case Keenum, I thought it was always going to be Baker and Case Keenum. And uh, obviously they cut Kyle Lilletta to say, and I think that they have confirmed that they won't add him to the practice squad either. So your kind of your thoughts on that. I wasn't surprised by it at all. I thought that was kind of be, you know, the, the move all along. Uh, right there with you. I, I, yeah. there's no need to keep three quarterbacks if you've got an established starter at this point. And I, uh, you know, not to get too deep into this, but I love that the fact that the Browns pay uh, for a decent backup as well. Yeah. In the case that, you know, Baker, even if it's short-term, misses a game or two, having a good backup is massive. And like the Ravens, for example, if Lamar Jackson gets hurt, the Ravens are going to be playing Trace McSorley. That's a disaster. I, I, you look at the Cowboys, Dak Prescott has a banged up shoulder and they're like, Ben DiNucci is the backup. That's a disaster. I don't understand how playoff teams do that. So no, the two quarterbacks, totally fine. As long as you pay for a decent backup and the Browns have done that. Yeah, exactly. Again, I wasn't surprised by that. And I definitely think it was the right move again, given how I think, I think, I don't remember if we talked about this, Case Keenum's the highest paid backup quarterback in the NFL, right? Or at least up there. He's up there. I don't know if he still is, but he was yeah. at the time he signed okay. the contract. Yeah, and that's all you need to know. You don't need to have three quarterbacks if that's the case. For sure. And I think, you know, the, the offensive side of the football, for the most part, I think is really taken care of. The, the defensive side of the football, you know, we're sitting here on a Monday night with, you know, basically less than 24 hours before this team has to be put together. I still have no idea what they're going to do at linebacker. I still am not totally sure I know what they're going to do at corner either. Do you have a sense of which 
which linebackers to you do you think have stood out in, in training camp? Like, like, are you buying the, the early Mac Wilson hype? Like, do you think he's going to make this roster? You know, Elijah Lee's in there, Malcolm Smith. Those are the three. You know, I think everybody can say that, that JOK, Anthony Walker, uh, and Taki Taki are going to make the team. But beyond that, I just don't know what they're going to do among those three guys at all. Yeah, it's, it's really tough to say, right? And, and without being you know, at training camp every day, it, it's tough to say because I haven't really seen everything from my own eyes. It's kind of just been what I've heard, what's been the talk. And I do uh, buy the Mac Wilson hype. Uh, I think that he had a good, really, really, really strong start to training camp, kind of leveled off. But I think he still was able to play good enough that he – I think he secured himself a spot on this roster, Henry. The one guy I think – and you mentioned him earlier that I think could just be in danger and and i always i've kind of always thought this even when they signed him that's malcolm smith i just think look at at that age i just think you can find someone to be kind of do what malcolm smith would do for you on a football field i don't think that they value him a lot i don't think that he's really had any moments in in training camp where it's like damn he's having a great practice or anything like that like a guy like mac wilson has had those moments, like you said, JOK, Anthony Walker, and Sione Taki Taki. I think those are virtual locks. Um, I don't know, man. I, I It's so tough to say because, like you said, like they're, they're, the certain position groups, like cornerback, linebacker, it's like, what, what are they going to do? I don't, I don't know. But if I had to guess, I would say that Mac Wilson is safe. If there was going to be a cut from that room, I do think that it would be Malcolm Smith. But then again, if they do cut Malcolm Smith, I think it's one of those things where you might see him back on the Browns team at some point this year. I definitely think he's the candidate where if they're going to cut, uh, you know, if they're going to add Phillips to the roster and, and then immediately put him on IR and try to bring somebody back, I think that guy is Malcolm Smith. Real quick, too, I, I will say, I, I think Elijah Lee, uh, you mentioned him, I believe. I don't think that he is a lock to make the roster. It'll be interesting to see what they do with him. I know they were high on him, but he kind of, I, I don't want to say he was disappointing at all, but he, he's, I don't know. I don't think he, again, had those moments where it was like, damn, this guy is balling out. We really need to consider him. And I believe he got hurt in one of those games, too. I'm not sure what his status is as it stands right now, but if he is still hurt, that kind of hurts his chances as well. So I'll, I'll add Lee to that mix with uh, Smith as well. Lee and Fields, I think, both have some injury question marks. I didn't even mention Fields, too. And, and Tony yeah. Fields has to be in the, the draft pick, but he's obviously been battling foot issues. He missed lots of the offseason workouts with that. So do they – you know, is he a potential candidate for IR? I don't know, but uh, you know, that's something that they will have to figure out on their end. But the more, you know, with every guy you keep, there's a trade-off. And to me, Jordan, the place to really prioritize more depth is not at the linebacker position, which is why I think some of those guys could be in trouble. I have Mac Wilson making the team in my final projections as the last guy, as the 53rd guy, if, you know, Elijah Lee, snuck in or Tony Fields or something like that, I wouldn't be surprised. But I think they have to prioritize cornerback depth. That's where I I kept the most guys was because you just can't trust it. You know, the, a lot of the Browns guys to stay healthy. Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams, Grant Delpit, they need more people in the secondary. So I I had them, you know, keep for sure keeping A.J. Green at this point. And then I think there's still a good chance that M.J. Stewart even – sneaks onto the back of this roster too now that Sheldrick Redwine is gone and that they keep even as high as six corners because 
let's face it, it you know, what are the odds that the first couple guys are, are all healthy? It seems like it's just going to be really low. It does. It, it really does. And, you know, you mentioned AJ Green, uh, Henry, and I think that's kind of like he's kind of Demetric Felton on that defense, right? In terms of like that guy that, you know, you mentioned the standout player for you this preseason has been Demetric Felton. I absolutely agree with that on the offensive end, DPJ as well, but for the sake of conversation. And then if you flip it over on the other side, I think AJ Green is that guy on defense who's kind of just been, I know you've been high on him from kind of day one of training camp and I think he's only gotten better. Um, and I think the team really values him. I think he's, those two guys, Felton and Green, I think are both locks to make this team just based off of the training camp and the preseason that they've had. So uh, yeah, I, it, it'll be interesting to see. Do you, do you, I don't know if I see them keeping and MJ Stewart, like that's, those are the, those are the interesting decisions that I think that they're going to have to make. Uh, there was another corner that they, I believe they cut earlier, Henry, uh, was it like Allen or something like that. Yeah. They, Brian cut, Brian, they cut Brian, Brian Allen, Allen earlier. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. We'll see how that cornerback room plays out. But again, just a lot of questions to be answered there. I think AJ Green is the one lock though, for one of those fringe guys. At this point, I, I would feel pretty good about him. The, the reason I think they're going to keep MJ Stewart is just it's that, you know, versus keeping all those linebackers. And I just don't think it makes sense if you're prioritizing, you know, uh, especially now that they've cut Porter Gustin too. I mean, I feel like that means, hey, they're definitely, all, they're going to have a maximum of four defensive ends at this point. So I, that's where I see MJ Stewart coming in is in, he's also a guy that can play special teams and, and that's, factoring in too at some point you know you got to have some guys with some speed to play on the special teams unit as well it just seems like keeping like seven linebackers or six d tackles like that's just too many that's that's just too many at both of those positions that you, you don't need seven linebackers in the modern nfl so i they may go that direction but i would be really surprised if they do i so i i think it's actually i'm an uh, not a big MJ Stewart fan at all, but I think at this point it's clearing the way a little bit for him uh, to to, uh, to make this team. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you, right? I, like, I, I definitely think that you should prioritize corner over linebacker, especially given this team's track record in the past couple of years of, of you know cornerback play. Again, I, I think linebacking is just not as important of a position, Henry. It, it'll be interesting to see how we play it out, right? Like, we're going to learn a lot about the philosophies of this front office, of this coaching staff, and how that they construct this 53-man roster with the talent that they have on it. We'll see. Do they prioritize linebacker? Do they prioritize corner? I agree with you that I think they will prioritize corner, and I honestly I hope they do as well. Jordan, the last thing I think that is up in the air potentially on this roster is the kicking position. Do you think the Browns just stick with Chase McLaughlin or do you think they try to, to, to attack somebody off waivers? I think that they will stick with McLaughlin for now, at least. Right. I like, I hate to say it, Henry, but I feel like it's one of those situations where, you know, halfway through the season, we're talking about, well, week nine, they're hosting kicking tryouts in Berea. Right. And I, and I really hope, we can't avoid a situation like that, but I think they're going to start with Chase McLaughlin. Look, Henry, I told you on the last podcast, right? Like that battle between McLaughlin and Cody Parkey was a lot closer than people thought it was. I knew people that thought that Chase McLaughlin was going to win the job outright. 
So I don't think that the Browns are going to go in a different direction to start the season with Chase McLaughlin. If it doesn't work out, then they'll evaluate the situation um, kind of at, at, on a week-to-week basis, Henry. But they're definitely going to go in with Chase McLaughlin, and we're, we're just going to have to trust them. I, I mean, it's tough to see uh, these kickers over the past years. It's hard to trust any of them, and I feel like we're going to be adding Chase McLaughlin to the list. But are there really better options out there? That's the question. Because if you go out and you bring someone else in, are you basically just bringing in Chase McLaughlin to replace Chase McLaughlin? You know what I mean? I do. I, they're in a, in a tough situation right now. They lost kind of the, the stability in Parkey, the safe option, if you will. It's one thing if, you know, if, if McLaughlin outplays him in a competition, but to not have that option now is really tough. It's why teams bring in two kickers and usually it's, you know, a, a veteran and, and a young guy is because you want to see that, that competition and it makes sense. But now without it, you're stuck. They're stuck with McLaughlin. I think at this point, I would be very surprised if they bring in another kicker. I'm right there with you. It's tough to, to, to bring a guy in and, and have any faith in what they're doing. Cause you exactly. don't know how other teams have been evaluating them. So I, I, I agree with you for now that I think McLaughlin will be the guy, but if somebody surprisingly becomes available, maybe the Browns make a move for him. I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll see, but I think they will stick with McLaughlin for now. So that rounds out the roster questions really at this point, as I mentioned at the top 14 players cut 13 to go Jordan. And then the Browns by the next time we talk, we'll have their 53 man roster set in stone. Yeah, and look, Henry, we've had so many questions that we just couldn't really answer because we're not really familiar with the Browns' philosophy on how they handle situations like this. So we're going to get a lot of clarity tomorrow, and I feel like we're going to get some heartbreak in there as well, man. But uh, we'll be able to handle it and uh, go from there. But certainly going to be interesting to see who makes this 53 tomorrow. Well, and that's the thing, right? Like, I I wrote down my 53-man roster, but by the time this podcast comes out, like – couple more guys may have been cut it may already right. be worthless like that i you know it's kind of one of those <laughs> things where i'm constantly updating it in my notes app like right now for the port augustine spot i just have empty i just don't have a player there because like i don't <laughs> think they're keeping joe jackson so like it's got to be somebody that they're going to bring in i would think from a different team so there's uh, there's still a lot to to figure out but i think from a philosophical perspective it was already telling some of the moves that, that happened today in terms of what the Browns are thinking. And then, you know, after the 53-man roster is solidified, Jordan, we'll turn our attention to Kansas City because yeah. that's going to be here before you know it. Think about that, Henry. We, we've wrapped up. We will do no more evaluating of a preseason football game, Henry. The next time we break down a Browns game will be Browns Chiefs, September 12th, 425 at CBS. Man, I am – Absolutely hyped. And it's going to come here quicker than we thought, right? Because we're sitting there like, oh, I just got to get through preseason. It's a tease. I just want the regular season. All of a sudden, boom, 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 preseason's done. We got this week break, Henry, and then it is full throttle, my friend. 100%. I am. All I am systems in, go, as they say. <laughs> all systems go. for. I am, I am engrossed in, in football right now. I'm reading Warren Sharp's book that previews every single team. It's like 500 pages long. I'm listening to like fantasy football podcasts nonstop ahead of my, you know, my fantasy drafts that are all coming up in the next week. So ever, and I'm sure all bronze fans are are the same way. And then from there, of course, the actual games will begin. So can't wait for all of that, Jordan, but until then 
we'll have to you know, see how the rest of this roster shakes out. And we'll bring a pod to you later this week with kind of the, the final reactions to the roster and then, you know, start looking ahead going forward here. So until next time, Browns fans, just two words for you. Go Browns.